And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. I promise to let you make as many points as you want on this episode of the show. I'm just Which, what I'm, episode of the show is this? Well, it depends if we're calling this Who are it, you? Who am I? What show is this? Oh, of course, I guess they know that. We I was going to say we don't always have to do Yeah, we do. We're a known commodity now and I don't care if every are podcast Are we that fancy? Are we? That's you. Oh, right, sorry. You're Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. Uh, welcome to DDT Wrestling. If this is your first podcast, I'd like to welcome you. Um, last night, sitting in the Manson family living room on the Manson family sofa, we recorded a two-hour or so version a draft special featuring GQ. Are you still friends with him? Are you still taking his calls? I'm fine F- with GQ. You're done with him? No, I'm fine with him. Oh, okay. It's you I've got a problem with. Oh, well, that's, again, as I said last night, what else is new? Uh, so hopefully you've had the chance to listen to that, though since it just got posted about probably half an hour ago, because it took oh, me... Oh, did you, did, did you post it? I did post it. It took me... A, I had to take a nap mid-morning to recover from the first couple hours of editing the show. And I I have to tell you, the biggest editing problem was there were lots of gaps of silence. We recorded during the draft, so we had SmackDown on in the background, or SmackDown Live, excuse me. Uh, The biggest problem was when we would not talk and you could hear the commentary or Mick Foley. You know, that was what I had to go through and get rid of. Did you Um, really have to get rid of it, though? I don't know that I had to, but I felt like I should. I don't mm. want to be the person who causes us to get a cease and desist letter. Out of curiosity, what did you do? Did you did you just silence that stuff, or did you I mo- delete it? I just kind of deleted it. So the show flows, I think, a little bit more. There's not as much... But it won't match up if somebody's trying to watch the show, plus put our show on. It won't match up anymore? No. I didn't even think of that. Should, should I have just silenced it? Because there were some times where it was like 10, 20 seconds of well, silence. Well, anybody or, who's hearing this, and everyone knows this won't post until way after that other one. But regardless, anybody who's listening to this, know that if you try to sync it up, it ain't going to work. Yeah. But either way, either way, it was an entertaining show. I thought GQ acquitted himself well for his first show. I thought so. He was a little goofy. I heard he way too is. much about what happens when he takes a shower. Uh, uh, you know. But, um, you know, uh, has Mrs. Manson recovered from her little temper tantrum she had yesterday? I don't think so. When I Enzo and Cass got drafted? Upset. She's well, still very upset. I don't believe she is the only one. Uh, the draft is now less than 24 hours old, but more than 12 hours old. And, you know, I, I can't get a good read on how people feel. There's some negativity, there's some positivity, and there's everything in between. So what Doc and I would like to do is we'd like to sit down and kind of break this down for you. So I think first what I'd like to do is I'd like to have a little draft of our own. And since I'm the flagship show here, I think I get the first pick. And I would like to draft negativity. (laughs) Okay. I will then draft... um, 
out and out positivity. <laughs> so. I don't know actually if I'm going to be that bad. I have some positive things to say, but I will say that the more I was kind of you know bearish on it last night. That was a word I I learned during the course of that episode. Um, I'm sort of bearish on it last night, and there are parts of it that I've had time to reflect on, and I think are positive. Uh, you know, mostly. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of little points that don't add up to what I think I had hoped this draft would do. There's incongruities that they have created within their fiction that bother me. Um, And I tweeted out a good number of those this morning with the hashtag Dockside hashtag on there. And uh, I think during the course of the show, I'm going to try to get your opinions at least on some of those things Happy because to. there are things that I, I would like to talk about in okay. those tweets. Well, so. and, and, you know, we talked at the end. I can't remember if it was on. I think it was after the recording because I, I hung out. Uh, we, we did watch the post-draft. We didn't record, uh, so that way Mrs. Matthews was allowed to speak. But... <laughs> She was allowed to speak. She was. So she would, we feel com- she would feel comfortable speaking. Fair, fair enough. Um, fair enough. But, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, if you had to sum it up in a handful of words, and I can't remember what you said. I think they all began with the letter M or something like yeah. that. And, and I will say my two words were slightly underwhelming. Mine was momentous miscalculation. All right. And I think I've softened on that a little bit. I, I don't think it's as bad as I as I sort of initially reacted. Well, and 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 I think that's fair, but I haven't. It is this draft is still, you know, I went ahead and broke down the rosters in terms of men's division, women's division and tag team division and I have it up here. Right. And when you look at the SmackDown roster, uh it is to be fair, the words that you chose, the, the second one, underwhelming, I think is appropriate. Yes. Yes, and I said slightly, um, but the more I look at it, the more I'm beginning to wonder if this was done very carefully by design, and I think we'll talk about that as we well, get going. Um, okay, well, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, but I will say, of course it was done very carefully and with calculation. Somebody somewhere had a justification for everything that they did. Well, and what I'm talking about, let's just get into it now, kind of overall here. We can break it down by round, or I would be happy to uh, respond to any and all of your tweets. Um, When you look at the SmackDown roster, it looks in many ways uh, two things. It is either the roster for your, forgive me, Daniel Bryan, but your B-plus players... And I'm here, I'm talking Bray Wyatt, and I even am, forgive me, I even am talking about uh, Mrs. Manson's second husband, your world champion, Dean Ambrose. Um, and But mainly, this roster looks like it is for, it is almost a training ground for those young, up-and-coming talents to kind of give them some experience. So if you look, even if we just look at the women's roster... If you look at the women's roster, there are currently eight women on Raw, seven women on SmackDown, which is probably a subject for another discussion. But one of those is not a wrestler? uh, Maurice, who I suppose technically could wrestle. She has wrestled. I believe she is even in fact. I was going to say, because in my count, I had six, but I left out. So you've got Becky, Natalia, Naomi. Alexa Bliss, Eva Marie, and Carmella. Well, those bottom three names, as talented as some of them may be, they are just 
just off the boat from NXT. So uh. they need they need time to get themselves together. And I could even throw Naomi in there as you know someone who needs to figure out how to capitalize on her talents. Super athletic, not exactly the best professional wrestler. And you pair them with Natalia and Becky Lynch, two incredibly qualified wrestlers. Uh, one of veteran, one a veteran of wrestling, not necessarily WWE, and it, it seems to me like that is, you know, they're there to try to help get the rest of this women's roster together. It seems to me that they took every single women's talent that the writers don't know what to do with and put them all on SmackDown. So I had this tweet this morning. Becky, Natalia, okay, good start. Naomi, Eva Marie, uh-oh. Alexa, Carmella. Is this the SmackDown women's division that you'd hoped for? And personally, I have to say no. Like I said, it seems like it's a collection of people that they don't know what to do with. Becky is a great example. I like to joke on this podcast that she's become the jobber of the women's division. But, like any good joke, there's a grain of truth in that, right? What has she accomplished since debuting as part of the Divas Revolution? She has become the afterthought. She's the person who's there to either get somebody else over in a match that calls for it. And now she's just treading water with Natalia. Natalia being another person who for many years she's incredibly talented, athletically anyways, and has just languished on the WWE roster. I mean, they even gave her a farting gimmick at one point. It's pretty clear they have no idea what to do with Natalia. I mean, even her latest heel turn came out of nowhere. It was unearned, never hinted at. She just suddenly snapped on Becky. And don't get me wrong, there's some good justification there. She's tired of carrying everybody else's weight. There's something there that works. But at the same time... I don't feel as though that was a well-developed story that she has now been thrust into. They keep putting her on commentary, and she goes out there, and she doesn't have a whole lot to say because her character, even in her own mind, is not developed or well-justified. At least that's my interpretation. Naomi, as you point out, athletic, but could def- she, is, she is the definition of could use some work. Character-wise, I just think of her as one of the Usos' wives. I mean, that's not anything to be particularly high marks on. Uh, Eva Marie, I think you tweeted back at me this morning, has been set up now to be the women's champion of SmackDown. And, I mean, looking at the rest of this list, I think you're absolutely correct. She's the strongest personality out of all of them. And, you know, for SmackDown being the show that told me was going to be focused on the future, yeah, okay, she's an up-and-comer and is going to be focused on wrestling and doing things differently. You're telling me that we're going to have a division built around Eva Marie? I mean, no, but they haven't officially told me that. I'm presuming. But I don't know what else they're going to do with her on that roster when you look at everybody else. She's the one with the strongest negative reaction, for sure. Um, So I have to imagine she's going to be the heel. Alexa Bliss, I think, is a fantastic talent. I love her facial emotives. Um, She's just, she's very expressive. Did you Um, see, let me me just pop in for a second. Did you see her interview 
they interviewed these talents down in NXT, and she did a very nice job. You know, she's being very uh, authentic, and she's you know teary eyed and talking about the opportunity. And then within the, like the last twenty or thirty seconds, she snaps into character and kind of finishes it off with the trademark. I think she even does like the nice. fist curl, and I was like, "Well done." I'm not wild she's about really Alexa good. Bliss, but I'm like, okay, she's even she's a decent wrestler as well. Um, she, I would say she's at least as strong as Naomi is in the ring. Oh yeah, that's that's fair. I would say the same about and, Carmella too. And that's what I'm gonna. I mean, I, I would put Alexa slightly above Carmella in terms of wrestling ability, but at the same time, Carmella is no slouch. She can hold her own, and she's got a strong character. I don't really understand why she's not with Enzo and Cass, except of course so that she's allowed to breathe and do her own thing and not be overshadowed. So I, I guess that's a net positive for her. But, so where are we? We're with, we now have, I mean, Alexa, for a long time, I didn't finish making my point about her, for a long time, she was just, I mean, yes, she was more of a leader position than just, you know, eye candy or valet for Blake and Murphy. She kind of was the brains of that group, as far as I could tell. So she definitely has some decent character background there, but after Blake and Murphy broke up, what did they do with her? They just they put her with one of them, and then Blake and Murphy were back together, and then they were split up again, and Alexa is just sort of floating there doing what? So all these people that they haven't been able to figure out how to utilize are now on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And that, that causes me no small degree of worry. Um, maybe this means they finally get their chance to shine, right? That's the silver lining here. Now that there's not other people that they clearly have an agenda for wanting to focus on, except for Eva Marie, maybe some of these other people now get their chance to take that spotlight. But, I mean, you do this SmackDown draft. I know I'm talking a lot. I apologize. But they do the SmackDown draft. You have Daniel Bryan cutting the strong promo saying they think Becky Lynch is an incredible talent. Shane says the same thing. They want her to be... The, the foundation for their women's division. And, you know, she is talented. I know mainstream reaction is really strong, but when I look at Becky Lynch, still, I see the one person who did not hold the NXT Women's Championship and the one person who did not get anything done or accomplished on the main roster. She is not the cornerstone of a division, at least not this current iteration of her character. She's going to need a lot of work to me to be seen as a champion. Well, and couldn't you say then that this is the best of all possible outcomes for her? If she's for her, if she's on yeah, a roster, not for me. If she's on a roster with Charlotte or Sasha Banks or even Paige, say. Or Asuka or Bailey or any of those, and I know we'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk about that. But she's like you said, she's going to get overshadowed. Now you put her on a roster where, for all intents and purposes, right now she is. It's if you looked at this, these six, based on what I know about their characters, it is currently Becky and Carmella versus everybody else. Becky and Carmella are the only faces. Everyone else is a heel. Becky's going to be the predominant babyface women's wrestler on this this roster. And if that leads to her getting the chance to have a title and getting the chance to show what she can do as a champion and, and kind of having an impact on this show, can't we say that is a net positive for her and for those of us who want to see her do well? 
I agree with you on that, but I think overall this women's division, as they've set it up, is anemic. Well, and, I think and they needed one other name to really bolster up that show let me, to give some to give a point of interest in that division because I'm not sure Becky Lynch can be that 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 spotlight. Okay. Person. So then, let me ask. They need, I honestly think they needed Sasha Banks on this show. Well, and the, I think the common or or Bailey. I think the common assumption was going to be that they were going to split up Charlotte and Sasha, but obviously they're heading down a road to a SummerSlam match here, so probably that wouldn't make any sense. Let me ask you this: If Bailey had been drafted second or third round, let's say she's the maybe Becky Lynch was the first woman drafted for SmackDown. But Bailey was drafted next, so you add Bailey to this. So it's Becky, Bailey, Natalia, Naomi. Is your opinion changed on this roster? Does that one talent fix it? Yes, I think it does because it gives you two people who you can work with and try to decide whom is going to be the breakout star. Right now, all the pressures on Becky, and I don't again feel as though. In any of her other iterations in the company, main roster or NXT, I don't think she's ever been in this position before. No. And like you said, that's a that's a net positive for her. But at this point in time, because of the history of her character, I am no longer sure that she can be that person, and that worries me. So yes, Bailey would fix a lot of that. For what me. about Nikki Bella? Because I'd ask you about Asuka, but. That's biased. Yeah, you know. I mean, if, if Oscar was the only sort of female, sort of does as well. Except Nikki Bella is played out at this point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't need to see her wrestle ever again, personally. Um, and I think a lot of the. I think I'd like to think a lot of the audience feels the same way, but maybe I'm way off on that. I, I I don't know. Well, you know, and I think you and I have discussed this, and we've seen it countless times. This is the problem with a brand split if you're going to go the dual champion route, is you took a roster of 15, so a deep women's roster with a lot of talent. Granted, a lot of them weren't going to get the chance to shine. You know, we haven't seen Alicia Fox in a while. We haven't seen Summer Rae in a while. I stand by my earlier comments from earlier episodes of the show. Splitting the women was the right decision. Um, This gives everyone a chance to shine, but that didn't mean that you had to set up a division that looks like, on paper, to me, like there's a good chance that, I don't want to say fail, but that's, that's too harsh. But you're rolling the dice mm-hmm. with the division's roster set up okay. this way. So let me ask you to do this. This is not the By the Book podcast, but I would like you to put on the hat of a fantasy booker here. You have the names in front of you. Fix it. How would you fix this? How would you make... I, I, you're, you already hit it for me. Honestly, if you just had one other person there, uh, I, I think Sasha Banks is the mm-hmm. way to go because somebody who was guaranteed star power on the main roster, but at the same time, I'd be okay with Bailey because at least then, like I said, you could shift back and forth if Becky doesn't quite work right. out, or vice versa. So, so you move... That's less of a game. You move Sasha to SmackDown. Let's say you move Carmella to Raw so she is with Enzo and Cass, which kind of does make a little bit more sense to put her on that roster. So Sasha, Becky, Natalia, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Eva Marie, 
better. Yeah. You, then you're not worried there's not a strong heel. And I guess Sasha could be a heel. And, you know, cause, Sasha could be a cause heel. Right Natalia's now, a heel. Naomi's a heel. Even Marie is oh, is a red-hot heel. No, I mean, pun intended. Do you think uh, it's weird to have her on the blue brand? Absolutely. Then let me, let me transition into this. Because I think you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you got to make all... Did you make all of your points on the women's division? Anything else you'd like nope. to say? Right. I'd just like to again point out that I was right about them not splitting it, and I'm—I just want to say again that I'm really happy that they didn't split the that they did split the women's division. If they had just put all of them onto SmackDown, I just like we had said earlier, and this may still happen. You know, bringing back that Divas division sort of marginalizes a lot of the progressiveness mm-hmm. that they've experienced with the revolution of the course of the past year. I honestly think, um, you know, putting all the women on one brand sends a message. That they're not important enough to fill a slot on both shows. And that, to me, would have been an extremely telling decision. And I'm really glad that they didn't go that way. I know, you know, Jason and the New Age Insiders were all hoping for cruiserweights and women on the other show so they could focus on it. But again, you look at the storyline they've been telling, you look at how this company has become more progressive in trying to actually get a division like that across. And you shove them all on one show saying, yeah, there's 15 to 20 of you, but you only get one or two segments a week, despite the fact that we have two shows and five hours of television. That is a really strong shift towards devaluing all of those performers. And I'm just really glad from a business perspective that they didn't do that. What? The writing to me would have been on the wall for a lot of those women because you can only have a division of 10 people that actually get screen time during the course of a year. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of those women would have had to start looking for other positions. I spent too much time with GQ. Positions? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, one champion or two? For what? For the women. Do we see the... Uh, now, granted, all there, of them, got, there all of them got drafted. But at the same time, you know, with you know, does is Charlotte allowed to float between both shows, or do we see some sort of tournament to crown a women's champion? You know, they've got seven people on the roster now. All they need is one more, and they could have an eight diva or an eight woman tournament. Excuse me, to crown a new champion. I think there are two women's champions, one in each. Other. Okay. Uh, no, we were talking about Eva Marie, which brought up something I'm curious about. In the past, they've been able to do trades, previous iterations of the WWE draft. And when you look at this roster, there are certain things that seem off. And then you factor in what happened after SmackDown Live went off the air, some of these interviews that happened after the fact. Cesaro's the one a lot of people are talking about, but also people are talking about Alberto Del Rio's and some of these others. Do you think we see trades that send some of these talents back and forth and perhaps make us feel better in the aftermath of Battleground, let's say, about how this works. Maybe. But at the same time, in the past, trades usually happened between Raw and SmackDown um, within a single week. Mm -hmm. So I just, I don't know. If there's going to be any trades, I feel like it's going to be within the next 48 to 72 hours. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait. I think if there are trades, they happen in the 48 to 72 hours after Battleground. You know, and again, this goes back to something we've talked about many, many, many times. 
the the timing of this. You know, this pay-per-view... Very strange. Well, and this pay-per-view coming up is now pointless. Besides... Yeah. Besides... Cre- well, I mean, we're going to see big upsets on that pay-per-view. You th- we're going to see... Think Ryder, you think Ryder and Darren Young both win? Uh, probably, right? Because one of them's going to win, and then they're going to be talking on commentary the entire night about how, oh, now SmackDown has two champions, or vice versa... And that's going to be a big deal for a hot second until then the other person also exchanges titles and mm-hmm. each brand ends up with a mid-card title, right? Well, now, before we get too far into this, is this our show for the week? Is this our DDT Wrestling show? Like, do we need to make predictions right now? Or are we going to do... No, are we going I think to we do, probably do another Maybe one. we'll do a pod blast where we can actually do predictions? All right. I think so. Um, I say, because this is... I think Rusev and The Miz retain their titles and get traded. I think we wind up seeing Rusev on SmackDown and Miz on Raw. Why, though? Um, Part of it, I think, would be Daniel Bryan's... You know, we talked about it on the show last night. Daniel Bryan was not happy about drafting The Miz. He didn't want to, but he wanted the Intercontinental title. I could see there's an opening there. And it just... The Miz seems like he belongs on Raw, kind of a more traditional, you know, flagship show. The Miz is gonna I don't know. The Miz is gonna demand a trade to the flagship show. And Rusev I and again this But when you talk about SmackDown having been set up as a roster of B plus players, I see the Miz as belonging on that roster more so than Rusev. <coughs> Do you think Rusev could potentially main event with Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar? Granted, Brock Lesnar isn't there all the time. Kevin Owens, do you think Rusev stands a chance of being a main eventer on Raw? A slim one. As opposed to AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, John Cena. I don't know. And again, this is probably my own personal... I wanted to see Rusev on SmackDown. Um... But I think we're going to wind up seeing some sort of trade. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Eva Marie traded to the All Red Show. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, um, another one of my tweets from this morning. Go ahead. Um, the ish, the only issues standing in my way from fully enjoying SmackDown are as follows: Eva Marie, Randy Orton, Baron Corbin, Del Rio, The Usos. And Naomi. And I could see, I tweeted out, where is it? I sent a, you know, a potential trade idea. So here you go. Post-Battleground trade idea. Raw gets Miz, Maurice, The Usos, Kalisto, and Randy Orton. Kalisto, I got another tweet about him. SmackDown gets Rusev, Lana, The Dudley Boys, Sami Zayn, Cesaro fine with it. I, you know, I think a lot of people would be, you know, you put, or, get Orton, and again, I seem people seem to have expected that SmackDown was going to become the wrestling show, and they seem kind of predisposed to want to well, see that. that's sort of what Shane McMahon has been saying, hasn't it? Yes, and I, you know, and again, brings me back to the idea of trades, because you look at this, and Baron Corbin doesn't scream to me, wrestling show. The Usos don't scream to me, wrestling show. And they're solid wrestlers. But, I, but, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, think we're going to see, I think we do wind up seeing some trades. 
I mean, the only thing I was sure of going into the WWE draft, this is another one of my tweets, was that Zane and Owens would end up on different brands. They really pulled one over on me, apparently. So, yeah, I could totally yeah. see a trade involving one of the two of mm-hmm. them because... And, and I think it would be an, an, an interesting and, dare I say, clever way for WWE to kind of monitor the situation. So you do this draft, you then spend the next few days kind of keeping an eye on popular opinion... And then you could potentially make some trades. You know, if Battleground ends and, you know, Monday morning we wake up and Cesaro's now on SmackDown and Orton's now on Raw or Eva Marie's on Raw and, you know, somebody, you know, somebody else winds up getting traded to SmackDown, all of a sudden we're a little more excited because I, how excited are you for Raw and SmackDown next week? Forget Battleground. How excited are you to sit down and watch a brand new, a quote unquote, brand new Raw and a quote unquote, brand new SmackDown? I am less excited than I was this week. Yeah, the draft kind of, you know, and, and people will be able to hear it when I, they. Like, I'm honestly, like, Raw, I don't want to watch Raw anymore. I don't want to see Stephanie McMahon. I don't. I just don't. But at the same time, like, Okay, I could watch Raw, but that means I'm not going to see Dean Ambrose. I'm not going to see AJ Styles. I'm not going to see Bray Wyatt. I'm not going to see American Alpha. I'm not going to see, you know, Alexa Bliss I'm excited for, the VOD villains. Like, there's a lot of people I would miss if I didn't watch Raw, mm-hmm. right? But then, okay, so if I'm going to watch SmackDown. SmackDown. You said if I didn't watch Raw, you'd miss all of those, but those are all SmackDown people. Oh, Right. Well. Oh, if I did watch Raw, I would if you only people. watched Raw, yeah, you yeah, would yeah. miss those. And, right, and, right. and we talked about and the, and, the, the, and the reverse is also true. If I was only watching SmackDown, I don't get to see Enzo and Cass anymore. I don't get to see Sami Zayn. I don't get to see uh, Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. Like that's a broad deal as well. And again, I'm I'm promoting my particular brand of watching wrestling, which is only focus on the things you care about. If you were to sit down and watch Raw and all of a sudden it's Sheamus versus Titus O'Neil, you can either mute it and walk away, you can just, you know. There are ways of watching wrestling that keep you from... I have yet to invent the means of watching wrestling where every time Stephanie talks, it's just muted. I would like to sit down in front of my television for wrestling and just have a two to three hour experience where I just sat there and I was like, all right, just show me the show because I'm ready to watch whatever it is you put in front of me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And a show that Stephanie McMahon is in charge of, I know there are going to be four to five segments where I just go, come on, come on. Like, I feel like I'm being... This is hyperbole, obviously. But I feel like I'm, I'm being held hostage watching Raw. I feel like I'm just waiting for that moment where I just... You know what I mean? Like, I'm just waiting to be disappointed when she's around. Mm-hmm. She just has that effect on me. What are your thoughts kind of moving in? All right. I want to talk just real quick. I'll ask you a question, I guess. Sure. Look at the Raw roster. Look at the SmackDown roster. Yeah. And obviously one's larger than the other, so I don't mean this in the purely size-related manner, but when you look at those two rosters, do you think they're lopsided? And if so, which way? Um, Overall or in specific divisions? 
overall. Yes. And I okay. said this last night. Raw right now has more of the wrestlers that I and I think many people like to watch. Seth Rollins. Okay. Now, hold oh. on. Before before you keep going, I just want to make one little point here. So you already think that it's lopsided in favor of Raw. Not slightly. Well, I mean, not significantly, but slightly okay. lopsided. Okay, but, but then, then just... The next part of my sentence is important. Now, remember that not listed there is an entire cruiserweight division, which is also on Raw. Yeah. So, Raw is very lopsided right now, as far as I'm concerned. That depends on how many new cruiserweights they're planning. I could see this cruiserweight division being... For now, forgive me, people are going to hate this, but Finn Balor, Sami Zayn, Neville, Sin Cara, Bo Dallas, technically he probably could qualify as a cruiserweight at some point, and then maybe, you know, Austin Aries or your Zack Sabres, your Kota Ibushis. I don't think, you know, we heard cruiserweight division and immediately in our heads we think six or eight of our, you know, Cedric Alexander's immediately going to get called up to Raw and be a cruiserweight. I think they're going to incorporate it. I meant it when I said it. Both Shining Stars are cruiserweights. Enzo Amore is technically a cruiserweight. Mm-hmm. We could see them. We uh, Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, all could probably... And so- once again, now you make good points. Kalisto, possibly the best, or you know, or at least arguably the best cruiserweight in the company, yep. is on SmackDown, the show without a cruiserweight division. For now, and but I could see, I could see again, I could see them saying, "All right, we tried to give him a uh, you know singles push with the U.S. title. It didn't work great." Let's put him on a show where he could try again. I think Kalisto becomes a fairly significant part of SmackDown's mid to top tier. I mean, you're probably right. But keeping on the cruiserweight theme, uh, I said this one to you before, but and we'll see how things are after the drafts are all over, I guess, although we've now heard about announcing change-ups. Um, we also now... They, this is a company that spent a lot of time in setting up and selling to its audience this idea of the perfect announce team for the Cruiserweight Classic. They said very clearly several times, Triple H was on Bracketology saying, I couldn't imagine anyone other than Morrow and Daniel Bryan calling this classic. And Morrow and Daniel Bryan are on SmackDown, and the Cruiserweight division is now on Raw. Yeah. Again... This company just likes to set things up, and then they themselves just knock them down, and everybody wants to wonder about why the audience spends so much time being negative about the WWE product, but they're constantly playing a game of takeaway. They put something right in front of you and say, oh, you want this? Oh, never mind. You know what I mean? They do it to themselves Mm -hmm. to some degree. They just spent so much time building up what that cruiserweight thing should be, could only right way to do it. And we're only an episode in, two episodes as of this week. And now 
you got us excited. You said cruiserweight division on Raw. As you just pointed out, that could mean, since we have no information, simply the guys that are already on that roster and none of these guys like everybody is hoping for. Plus, they took away the quote-unquote perfect, only fit um, announced team for that division. That, that just, again, seems like they are fighting themselves trying to sell their product to their audience. So my belief is the Cruiserweight Classic was a big hit. Triple H's brainchild. You know, Vince has a network, so they decide to go for it. Sure. Big hit. Lots of people talking about it. Hugely popular. Dis- you know, despite what yesterday tried to lead us to believe, Raw is always going to be, we've been saying it, the flagship show. So if there's a big success, they want to put that on the flagship show. And since Triple H, I imagine, is going to be at Raw, you know, I don't know if Stephanie and Paul Levesque are going to be traveling to SmackDown now. You know, so I have to imagine that if this is Triple H's baby, he wants to be in relative control of it. So it goes where he goes and he's going to Raw. You know, when we see him next on camera, I have to imagine it will be on Raw to finish the Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins sort of deal. So, you know, I I totally get you. I get your point, though. You know, we we wanted it to be Morrow and Dan O'Brien. They're both on SmackDown. I think that's just more of a, you know, uh, to be fair, they only have two hours for now on SmackDown. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. So, you know. And, and so, but just again, to take the wide view on this. Now, I don't mean to necessarily be negative about the draft, but we break it down. I'm underwhelmed by the women's division that they've put together on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And I'm compl- I am underwhelmed by the decisions they have made with the cruiserweight so, those are the only but two the only decision really they've made, the so only far. decisions they've made that I've seen about the cruiserweights are they're putting it on Raw, which is the larger, longer show, and they haven't they didn't draft Kalisto. Those are the only two decisions I've seen them make. You know, besides the fact that it yeah, just so happens the fact- that Daniel Bryan and Morrow are on SmackDown. Well, and you say just so happens, but I actually view that as a pretty big point. You're not going to put Michael Cole's not going to be on Raw. Moro not not going to be on Raw. Yeah, double negative. You're trying to say Mor- yeah, yeah. Michael he, Cole is your he is the Jim Ross of this generation. He is going to be on your flagship show. Moro Ronaldo, as much as we love him, is not yet Michael Cole. So he's there's no way for him to be on it. Yeah, fair enough. And fair enough. So, but yes, I agree. I would love to have the two of them do the commentary for the cruiserweight division, but I just don't think it's meant to be right now. So we talked about women. Let's talk about let's talk about, tag teams. Let's talk about tag okay. teams because right now both Raw and SmackDown have six tag teams on their roster, and I, that includes the Hype Bros. Each, each, because you know I inc- I'm including the Hype Bros. I don't know that they're going to be a team, but they are together. I would assume not because if they were going to be a team, they would have been drafted as a team. I pondered that. You know, it was interesting to me. Uh, At least in the immediate future. You know, I understand the whole notion that a general manager or commissioner could pick one person from a team. But if you're going to pick Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, 
Uh-huh. Why wouldn't you just dra- use one pick? Again, this is... this is Because then you couldn't insult Heath Slater by leaving him I, as the only person undrafted I suppose, in the draft? but I, just, you know... And again, this is me... Somebody somewhere thinks that's a really funny This joke. is me arguing with kayfabe. Heath thinks it's funny. This is me arguing with kayfabe in the sense that, you know, use your draft picks wisely, get three people for the price of one, and use that draft pick for... <laughs> Someone else. I got it, DC. What? This is not by the book. But you keep asking me about, can Charlotte, can the champions float between brands? Well, the only logical floater is the one man who belongs to no brand. The one man brand? The one man brand, Heath Slater. He's going to go, he's going to walk into Raw, win the heavyweight championship. He's going to walk into SmackDown, win the WWE championship. And he's going to go, and he's going to talk to Stephanie, he's going to talk to Shane, and he's going to go down to NXT, he's going to beat Samoa Joe, he's going to be talking to Steven Regal, and he's going to choose which brand to bring all of the gold to. He's going to be the hottest commodity in wrestling. This is the most brilliant storyline they've ever told. We just weren't wise enough to see it. Well, I think all of that's happening until you got to the point where he starts beating champions. But if you don't think he's now going to be calling himself the one-man brand, you're out of your mind. He is the, yeah, and he probably will be bouncing between the, one the shows. Man, yeah, losing to people on both shows. How lucky is he to be the one man who has to travel twice as much as everyone else? It's what you get for... I don't know what he did. Being a a guy. Uh, All right, so tag teams. You know, uh, Raw has New Day, Enzo and Cass, Gallows and Anderson, Golden Truth, the Dudleys, and the Shining Stars. SmackDown has American Alpha, the Usos, the Ascension, the Hype Bros, Breezango, and the Vaudevillains. Which of those two tag divisions do you think is stronger? (laughs) I give the edge to SmackDown. I do too. uh, Country Uh, I don't. I don't think it's as close, but I give it to SmackDown. SmackDown's going to have more exciting tag team wrestling, but it, you know, and again, this comes down to the you're now granted there's you know 20 names on here for male wrestlers on Raw. I imagine you could pair up Cesaro and Jack Swagger again or The Big Show and Braun Strowman and have them as a tag team. But, you know, American Alpha, Breezango, the Vaudevillains, you know, even the Usos, there's some quality tag wrestling happening there. Um, you know, you've got Gallatin, Anderson, Enzo, and Cass and New Day, which is a nice top three. Is it? I think so. New Day's a good tag team. I like them. Enzo and Cass are a good tag team. I like them. I like Enzo and Cass. Everybody else is sort of... Well, you're... Well, not everybody else. New Day is played out. And the club, to me, has not found a groove yet. And you've just reset them again. And they've only been here for a short amount of time. And they've already gone through... This is now their third iteration. Uh, And I imagine they're going to do their tag thing for a little while before joining up with Finn. So you're just setting themselves up for a fourth iteration within six months. I don't think think they have a chance to do the third iteration. I think Raw, or even uh, Battleground, you know. How does John Cena and Enzo and Cass defeat... AJ Styles and Gallows and Anderson. Finn Balor comes out, snaps his fingers, Gallows and Anderson abandon AJ, 
leave with leave with Finn, and all of a sudden now the Balor Club starts off Monday. You know, Monday Night Raw is the official birth of the Balor Club. I guess so. But that's possible. But I'm not sure that that's a great way to bring in Finn. But hey, whatever. They're on the same roster. It's a matter of time, and exactly. they might as well not waste time and just do it. You know, the the, yeah. the question's going to be the you know. You, if you take Gallows and Anderson, who have been heels this entire time, and all of a sudden now they're with Balor, does Balor become a heel? Is Balor going to be one of your top heels in, you know? Evidently. I mean, let's just have, let's just have an entire main event of all heels. Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns isn't a heel. But he's going to get booed. Yeah, so. but... You're, he's going to be the one Chris he's Jericho, be the one quote unquote babyface in a sea of heels. Rusev and Kevin Owens. The only babyface you have on that roster is Sami Zayn. And Neville. Yeah, well, I don't think Neville's in the main event. And Darren Not Young. Not that Sami Zayn really is Ivel, but he but he's closer, I think, than Neville. And Darren Young. Yeah, like I said, not the main event. So in terms of the main event, the only person there that's going to get Fully cheered to Sami Zayn. Obviously, Seth gets some cheers, but he's not a baby fan. You look at this roster, and I'm looking at it, and the question that comes to me, where are the baby faces? Because even if you look at SmackDown, Dean Ambrose, baby face. Uh, AJ Styles right now is a heel. Cena's a face, for the most part. He's a baby face, yeah. Orton's a question mark, because we haven't seen him. Bray's a heel. The Miz is a heel. Like if you look at your main event, if you if you were to list, SmackDown has all the faces, except for Sami Zayn. SmackDown has two. I, I, Ambrose and I, Cena. The, Ambrose and Cena. Um, I mean, if you want to get deeper into it, um, you know Becky Lynch is a squeaky clean face. Baron, not Baron Corbin. Uh, American Alpha are squeaky clean baby faces. Dolph Ziggler is a baby face, or at least he has yeah, been in the all right. past. So Sasha Banks, Kalisto. Sasha Banks is a baby face. New Day are baby faces, and Don Cast are baby faces. They're all on Raw. Sure, but I'm saying in terms, but there there are more single baby faces on SmackDown. Yes, but what I'm saying is there's not that many. Period. Yeah. Okay. You're not. There wrong. are more sure. heels than baby faces right now. Yeah. All right. That was that that's, was that's, all. That, was... That, that's that gray area, right? Because Seth Rollins, everybody's cheering, but well, his, for some reason he's his still, pants uh... are gray. Yeah. The gray. All right. Let's talk um, about who didn't get drafted. And there's one thing they could have done to solve a lot of problems and save themselves a lot of social media bashing, and. I'm hoping that I just didn't hear it or see it, but all they needed to do to make everyone relax a little bit would be to say somewhere, per order of Commissioner William Regal or Triple H, you know, no current NXT champions are eligible to be drafted. 100%. If they had said that one thing... That should have been a rule. The only glaring name would have been Bailey. You know, because as much as GQ wanted Shinsuke to get drafted, I think we all kind of knew that was probably not going to happen. Bailey was the, would have been the only name that people were like, what the heck? She, you know, what's going on? But now, you know, people were hoping for Asuka, people were hoping for Samoa Joe, people even were kind of hoping for the revival. 
one sentence. So I tweeted out. I tweeted out just a reminder that in kayfabe, Mojo Raleigh was deemed a better draft pick than Samoa Joe, Bailey, Oscar, Shinsuke Nakamura. Congratulations, Mojo. Right? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And what you just said would have fixed so much of yep. that. Um, I somebody uh, tweeted me back, uh, Jordan. I'd rather see Mojo, the hype rose, than a poor NXT roster. And I said, you know, there were other options that potentially could have fixed that. And she said, well, as much as I love Mojo, you know, I'd rather see him lost in the shuffle than those other options. She she said she doesn't want to see those other options. But what you just said is the option that I was alluding to. You just have William Regal say, I'm putting a lock on these people because they're the champions. And suddenly, now it's not that Mojo is a better pick than those people, but those people weren't available. Right now, kayfabe-wise, it makes zero sense that Daniel Bryan and Shane would have gone, oh yeah, Mojo Raleigh, we got to have him when Austin Aries, Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Roode, and all these other people are just sitting in NXT waiting to be plucked. It doesn't make any sense. You should just make a rule. You put all these other stupid rules up on social media days in advance. Just say no champions and nobody who's been signed for less than six months. Right? There you go. That's a good one. And again, that it's Bailey and Ty Dillinger, and as much as I love Ty Dillinger, I could understand if he didn't get drafted. Yeah. What happens with Bailey? What do you think's going on with Bailey? I don't know. I I know that Sasha Banks said she's not going to be the mystery partner. She'll so I guess she's going to be mystery partner. That is the only who else is going to be Nia Jax or Nikki. I well, mean, and I guess maybe Nikki Bella's not ready yet, but it could be Nia Jax. It could you know. She's going to come in as a heel. She has to. She can't come in as a face. I would imagine so, even though, again, they went, you know, they went overboard showing her reaction to getting drafted, and she bursts into tears did. and all of that. You know, they could tell the story, and I, and, and, and I do get why she was drafted, because exactly what Stephanie McMahon said, she looks like no other diva on the roster, and I mean that as a compliment. You need a diversity of... Styles and, I think and I people. This, I think I said this on the show last night. Um, you know, Nia Jax, lover, hater, whatever. Yeah, she's going to get somewhat better just through experience. But what she is right now as a performer is essentially what she's going to be. She's not ever going to become a technical wrestling marvel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's large, she's using her presence, and she's going to do these big, strong power moves. And she can do that well enough right now with the amount of experience she has. Yeah. So, yeah, any improvement she's going to make could happen on the main roster. Exactly. So, okay, underwhelmed by women's division, underwhelmed by the cruiserweight decisions, underwhelmed by the treatment of the NXT drafts. I think they did as well as they could do with the tag division. The tag division is fine. Tag division is pretty good. And the other piece of positivity that I will give them is I look at the main event of SmackDown and I say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There is some good stuff on SmackDown. For the next year, I'm going to see Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles, John Cena. I'm skipping Randy Orton. Bray Wyatt. um, Mix it up. Those four. Yep. 
All right. Well, and and and, I'm, I'm down. and and again, I mean it when I say I think the way they have it now leaves it open for Kalisto to potentially have a brief main event run. Alberto Del Rio could be a main event guy if he doesn't wind up getting yep. traded. Um, you know, the He's opportunity is there. Switch in. You know, the opportunity is there for Baron Corbin and Apollo Cruz to take the brass ring if they wish. Hold on a second. Now I'm just curious. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. I know that uh, WWE doesn't have a huge amount of diversity. But if you look at the diversity of SmackDown, it's Del Rio, Kalisto, Cruz, Naomi, one half of American Alpha... And the Usos. That's actually a pretty good amount of diversity. You think so? For a single roster. Yeah. All right. You might be right. It didn't seem like it at the time. Well, especially when you look at the, you know, it's Del Rio, Kalisto, and Apollo Crews. You know, I, I, and again, yeah, sure. if we have two world champions, it's going to wind up being, you know, if a African-American wins one of the titles, it's not going to count in the eyes of most people because it's not the title. But now, right now, Apollo Crews is the only one. Yeah. I mean, I look at Raw on the flip side of this, and so now we've got Seth Rollins, who you know, has basically been in the main event. Yeah, he was injured for a while, yes. But he's been the main event for the last two years. Um, Charlotte has been the main event of the women's division since the Revolution. Yep. Roman Reigns has been the last two years. Um, New Day has been the last year. Um, there, there's just... There's so much on Raw that is not new or fresh. Mm-hmm. Like, I see the, the possibility for these new combinations on SmackDown, but it seems like everything that, to me, is stale. Like, okay, it's time to get Seth Rollins out of the title picture. I know I'm in the minority saying that, but... Get somebody else in there. Switch him off. Go do something else for a little bit. But no, now with the roster is being cut in half, he's going to be in that slot for well, sure. Yeah, the main event of Raw is Rollins, Reigns, Lesnar-ish, Kevin Owens, I guess Finn Balor. You know, I, it would be weird to use a first round draft pick on a guy and then put him in the cruiserweight division. So, like, this is, you know, Finn Balor could get... You want to talk about being forced down our throats. Finn Balor could be challenging for the WWE Championship in three to four months. Yep. Right now, I mean, Raw has Zayn and Owens, which is a great feud, but at this point, it's like, are they going to do something or not with these guys? You know what I mean? Make a decision, make something happen. I love watching them fight, but there's been absolutely no development there. They've got Charlotte and Sasha, which, yeah, that's a relatively recent feud. But, again, Charlotte, as champion, to me, is played out. They need to do something there. Enzo and Cass and the club have now been going at it for a little while. That's a feud that's getting ready to be over. Mm -hmm. Rollins and Reigns, to me, is a feud that is ready to be over. That's all Raw is right now, a series of feuds that are ready to be over. Well, then, aren't you making just now... Perhaps the greatest point for SmackDown. Yeah. With the exception of Cena versus AJ, which I would submit is not yet played out, the, and Becky and Natalia, 
I suppose. So, yeah, they have Cena and AJ, they have Becky and Natalia, and they have Ziggler Corbin. Well, and, and again, so, that doesn't necessarily... I could see the two of them. I could see Ziggler turning heel and teaming with Corbin. Sure. Which I would not be opposed to. But SmackDown has a, what, what we can guarantee, as underwhelmed as we might be, when we watch SmackDown on Tuesday, we are going to see things we have not seen before. Dean Ambrose is going to get involved in a program with somebody. You know, if you look at, even if you're thinking ahead to SummerSlam, when this is this will have been in place for about a month, Cena and Styles obviously are going to be fighting at SummerSlam. Randy Orton's already got a match at SummerSlam. Who does Dean Ambrose fight? The next person on my list is Bray Wyatt. Does Bray Wyatt start sure contending for the WWE title? You know, are they going to have a tournament? Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe he can win via hologram again. I'm all for it. Yeah, I want sure. him to have the whole world in his hands, even if the whole world is a slightly underwhelming SmackDown roster. But I, I think you just made, you know, at, at least we say Raw. You're going to watch, and it's going to be a lot of same old, same old. You watch SmackDown. Yep. It's new. And that's the thing that boggles me about the brand split, is this was the opportunity to split up everybody who's been feuding for a while. And instead, for seven of those feuds, Zayn Owen, Ziggler Corbin, AJ Cena, Becky Natty, Endo and Cast of the Club, Charlotte Sasha, Rollins Reigns, they drafted on feud lines, keeping all of those pairings together. Why would they do that? Well, taking Ziggler and Corbin out, because I think that feud is now essentially over. I hope so. But. but now you've shrunken these rosters to the point that you know that we're going to see these people feud for the next year until there's another draft. So at some point, these people that are in that nebulous mid-card region, Ziggler Corbin, even if they don't start off facing each other over the course of the next year, we're going to see them paired together again because this roster only has 20 people on it. I mean, how many people are on that roster? Which one? SmackDown. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen. Maybe thirty. Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. About thirty. Yeah, it's about thirty on SmackDown, and I would say probably forty on Raw. You know what I mean, though? Like that's what happens with these brand splits. And maybe they'll do supplemental drafts. Maybe they'll do mid-year drafts. But in the past, mm-hmm. they haven't done it. So until they tell me they're going to do it, I'm operating under the assumption that they are not. But it- which says to me, these people are going to bump heads again over the course of the next year. Mm-hmm. That's boring. But again, and, and you're talking about SmackDown, but I think that problem's going to happen more on Raw. You know what I mean? Well, I'm talking, I am actually talking about both. I meant to talk about the Just both, the matter yeah. of the rosters being sh- shrunk in half over the course of a year. And I think you're yes. right. I still leave out the possibility that NXT has some sort of presence on SmackDown. That'd be great. You know, because that roster, all of a sudden, if you say, well, you know... Shinsuke might be there, and Joe might be there, and Asuka might be there. All of a sudden, now we're talking, oh, okay. So maybe SmackDown didn't get the cruiserweights, but Shane does some sort of... And you know, that's entirely possible, right? Because I look at that women's division, and I say, oh, that's a little underwhelming. Well, what if on Tuesday Shane comes out and he says, all right, we don't have a women's champion, so please welcome NXT women's champion Asuka. She is going to be a guest of SmackDown for as long as she's champion. She'll be defending it here. Mm -hmm. uh, And she is going to be, whoever is the champion of NXT is going to be a mainstay of our roster. Like, 
boom, that fixes a whole lot yeah. for me with the NXT well, and, with the and, SmackDown. And when if you roster. think about it, it you know, Ed, despite the fact that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are married, Triple H's goal is NXT. You know, you would say in a kayfabe sense, his goal is to make NXT as big a thing as possible and have it be whether it's its own brand or not if Shane McMahon had a meeting with Hunter and said I've got this show now I've got to fill two hours you've got talent let's do business that would be a fantastic thing because think about the on-screen tension between Hunter and his wife how come you didn't give me any of the NXT talents well you didn't you didn't come to the table you didn't ask for them Mm-hmm. Shane came and guaranteed me at least two NXT matches, you know, on... Hey, that sounds like some good storytelling to me. You know, you, you took the cruiserweights from me. There you go. You took the cruiserweights from me. You knew I had plans for the cruiserweights. You knew I wanted these people on there. You took the cruiserweights. Sure. So I'm going to take my brand... And I'm going to give it the best chance to succeed. And right now, that's not with you. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And then we get to have these at-home vignettes of Hunter sleeping on the couch. And it's going to be brilliant. Them sitting at this giant, oversized dinner table not talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We should write. Stephanie tells their butler dog to pass the salt because she won't talk to Hunter. <laughs> it's just Eric Bischoff on his hands and knees crawling around <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> All right. Yes, I, it is. I think that's probably as good a place to any as to wrap up this edition, this special draft reaction edition of DDT Wrestling, because, you know, we talked a lot about the problems, but I think ending on a positive note with that, the potential of Eric Bischoff, the servant lapdog. Um, but really, honestly, there is a lot of great potential. Mm-hmm. In the brand split after the I, draft. I, there is. I think it comes down to expectations. We were expecting. Wonderful, wonderful am things. I, we got decent things, and that has to be seen as a letdown. And am I underwhelmed? Yes. And am I worried more for the future of whether or not this is sustainable? Absolutely. But at the same time, we sit here, we analyze this stuff because we enjoy it, because we love it, because we want to see what things they are going to come up with that we haven't thought about. And for sure, the opportunities are there right now. Yes, indeed. In this company. Yes, indeed. All right. We will be back later this week, uh, probably with a pod blast for predictions. And then also, I imagine we're going to, are you going to watch the Cruiserweight Classic tonight? Or are you going to wait? Because a private earfall usually is talking, well, not usually, it's happened once, but, you know, people seem to enjoy our Cruiserweight Classic show. I feel like we need to do that again. Do you think I should save myself to watch I it? I think there um, was an element of excitement to it. You know, I'll watch it yeah. and be prepared, and then I'll, you know, we can watch it. Uh, because, right. hey, any show with Lince Dorado, it's a, it's a show it's I want to watch. Fair enough. Yeah, Ultima Lucha Dos uh, Part 3. That's ah, yes. as well. Pentagon so. versus Matanza? Or Mil. Yep. Excellent. All right, so the week of excellent wrestling continues. I want to thank Doc Manson for uh, welcoming me into his home yesterday. You to, are welcome. To watch. We had a great time. Mrs. Matthews. The Manson Mansion. The Manson Mansion. Mrs. Matthews enjoyed herself. Uh, oh, good. She only felt slightly horrified at some of the things that went on. Uh, but at my, at my fault or GQ's? Uh, you, were pretty, you were pretty good. 
You were pretty oh, good, good when when you deigned oh, okay. to talk to us, and you didn't. What you you stopped talking? Oh, for a while. oh, well, yeah, I did. All right, I and if you, if if you need to know what's going on, check out that episode. Should be. Uh, should be on your podcast feed right now. This is DDT Wrestling, ddtwrestling at gmail.com. We will be back very soon with our prediction and production show heading into Battleground. He's Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I'm DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. We'll see you around the neighborhood. Buy our t-shirts. Yeah.